Hi, my name is Steve Warren, and I want to welcome you to this podcast. I'm believing today you'll be filled with faith, you'll be energized by hope, and you'll feel loved as this message seeks to transform and empower your life. God bless you as you listen to this. Dreams, we're ready to pray for every single one of you. Exciting as that, that 2019, we can start the year knowing that it's a partnership us and the Holy Spirit working together to make this the best we can. The God outcomes happen. It's going to be amazing. Hey, why don't you grab a seat? Uh, can we give the band a hand? Thanks, guys. They've uh, champions been going for two services. And we had a live stream link up with Almira this morning as well. It's amazing. And next Sunday, uh, we have... Uh, we're, in a, we're, we're kicking off a series today called Life on Purpose because uh, the word God's given us for this year is life. Uh, and if I was to use more words, I would describe it as rivers of life. And we're believing that uh, the river of life of, of heaven is, is going to uh, flow an increased measure for us and through us and to some new things we're going to be doing this year. And it speaks of momentum. It speaks of moves of God. It speaks of life. <laughs> so uh, uh, for that reason, we've called it uh, Life on Purpose. And I'll preach to you on the river in just a moment. Next Sunday, we're going to hear from 15 different preachers in our three different services. We're calling it our 5 by 5 Sunday. Um, and they're going to be preaching on transformation, how uh, they got transformed to life and, and what helped them do that. So there'll be five preachers in the Dutch service, five different preachers in this service. Some of you are sitting here. Um, they know who they are, by the way, so don't go, oh my gosh, am I meant to be the one? <laughs> and, um, and then five different preachers in Almira. That's wonderful, huh? Fifteen preachers on one day. Uh, so that'll be cool. Um, be, before, before I uh, talk to you about There is a River, which is the title of my message, we've got just a wonderful, wonderful honor of having a beautiful couple with us today. Um, back in October, we had our Vision Builders fundraising, and you guys gave so generously. We raised 130,000 euros, uh, which was the highest we've ever raised, which is wonderful. And part of that goes into FEDER. We call it FEDER, Mission. And, uh, and we support specifically two churches in our movement, one in Edinburgh, Scotland, and one in Nairobi in Kenya. And, uh, and we've been supporting them for since the beginning, I think, pretty much. And it's our honor today to have the pastors of C3 Church Nairobi with us. How cool is that? <laughs> so uh, I thought it'd be cool to interview them, for you to get to know them, get to know the people you're supporting. So could... Uh, could you put your hands together for Pastor Garth and Jamie Ball, all the way from the Nairobi, Kenya, Africa. Beautiful. Asante. Grab a seat. Wow, so good to be with. Uh, you're right there. You're the mighty um, It's very awesome high up here. Chairs. I'm going to need a ladder so to get up. They're so inspired by them. This is uh, incredible, aren't they? Yeah. They are. Yeah, you and I got up okay. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. good now. Garth is uh, sort of, there we go. still praying for the Lacking on the height side. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> But you That's make true. up for it on many, many other That's angles. That's exactly right. Yeah. I don't know what they are, but... 
anyway. Uh, in fact, I, I reckon Jamie could get away with being Dutch. She's so tall. Well, maybe Dutch is the future. Who we're, knows? we're the tallest people in the world. Did you know that? Are you really? Yeah, yeah. Oh. I, I say we. the Dutch. Yeah. I say we. <laughs> How many of you are Dutch here today? Stand oh, we up. have a few. Can, awesome. can they stand up awesome. so I can actually see if this is true? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to measure you. Uh, they don't sound African, do they? No. No, they're from Australia. Not yet. But they're working on it. So I just thought we were good to get to know them. So I'm going to fire off uh, some questions. Um, and, and the first is this. Tell us what it is you love so much about Nairobi. Me first. Yeah. Wow, okay. Uh, love getting to, to know and to learn and discover about uh, a new culture, completely new culture to obviously Australia. Uh, it's a challenge but an adventure and I'm loving that. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, I love getting to know Kenyan people. I think Kenyan people are some of the kindest, um, humblest people in the world mm. and so we're really enjoying to see it even in our connect group that we can attend. I, can I do this again? Yeah, I've got to please. do it again. Well, um, <clears throat> and Kenya was a colony of which country? England, yes. So kind and humble yeah. comes from somewhere. Yeah, well. I'm just boasting a little bit. You should. You should. <laughs> Sorry, um, carry on. No, so yeah, so we're just, even in our connect group, we look forward to going to connect group every Wednesday night and um, hanging out with people. I love Kenya, uh, the natural beauty in Kenya. Uh, some of the greatest national parks and safaris to go on. And I love being in a place that feels so uh, divine and open to what God wants to do in a right. church like C3. Uh, in Nairobi, there's a church on every corner, but there's not many churches like this one right. on every corner. And so the church uh, is obviously great people doing great things, um, but in the midst of that has been a lot of religiosity and even corruption in a lot of ways. And the city seems to be crying out for something that is genuine, authentic, yeah. that has integrity, that's filled with the power of God in a healthy way. Wow. Um, and so it feels like we've come just at the right time. Yeah. And so I love you that. You are there at the yeah. right time. Yeah. It's going to crack yeah. open. It's probably something we're not so familiar with, that strong uh, uh, religious right. uh, sort of context. Yeah. Uh, we have a traditional church history. Yes. In the Netherlands, but it's not mm. as uh, obvious to us as sure. it is in Africa, sure. in many parts of Africa. Yeah. Um, Jamie, uh, tell us what you so love about Garth. I do love many, many things about my husband. We've got more time, so you can keep going. <laughs> you have to excuse my voice. Our Kenyan bodies are not used to this extreme cold, so our immune systems, I thought, were good until I came here. So there we go. Um, I would definitely have to say his relentlessness for God. Um, 2018 was not our favourite year. No. Um, and we went through a lot of challenges. But every morning you would find him in his office blaring worship music, filling our house with God's presence wow. and um, declaring word over our life, finding scriptures to cling on to. And to be around that for your husband, the father of your household, to be that was is every day is inspiring for me to be around. And I thank God every day that he loves God that much that despite what happens, you'll find him on his knees before God saying, I'm yours still. It's amazing. Yeah, that is. Yeah. That's true. Garth, you're a champion. Thank you, sir. Tell us what you miss about Australia. Yeah, a lot. Um, 
we miss family and friends a lot. You know, it's a long way away and lifelong friendships that you build and all of a sudden it's just different when you're not in the same time zone and location. Um, Jamie's got a number of nieces and nephews and, you know, we get back, we, we're grateful to have got back to Australia a couple, a couple of times each year, but every six months they grow more and, you know, some have been born since moving and so the relationship is, you know, got to be more intentional. So things like that, um, we miss the beach, uh, we miss good coffee, Kenya um, grows good coffee but doesn't roast good coffee. So, and Australia has some of the best coffee in the world. Um, we miss uh, being able to go to one shop, uh, like Waitrose or something, and have everything there rather than having to go and get your meat from here and grocery, you know, fruit and vegetables here. And I miss being able to go to the bank and that being like a 15-minute task um, rather than a half-a-day task. Systems are broken. Um, and just an overall... You know, people in, in Australia complain about politics, but really they don't have that much to complain about, you know, uh, when you see other forms of governing. And so seeing the, um, the injustice and different things for everyday people. It, so, so, for example, yeah. you were saying that uh, voting in a new government may mean your land is going to be taken off you yeah. if that's yeah. their philosophy. Yeah. So that's the risks... Yep. of political decisions are much bigger yes. for you. Yeah, that's right. I think this is really good for us to understand the climate that they're having to plant a church in. It's not, it's not easy um, as, as such, but we've got a big God, right? That's right, <laughs> exactly. So tell us how it all began for you. Why, why, Nairobi, why Nairobi particularly? Mm. Um, I think not Nairobi, but Africa started for me when I was about four years old, and um, God bless my mum. My parents are pastors of a C3 church, actually, in Australia, which is so cool. But uh, I had a moment where I was watching Compassion Ad, and I just started bawling, just crying before this TV. And my mum walked in, and she knew exactly what was going on. She's like, this is one of those God moments where God deposits something in a child's life. So she started to pray for me, and ever since then, she just like, come on, let's pray about this, let's see how it happens. Um, so it was rooted and implanted at a very young age, but never knew how it was going to happen. Just knew that there's this big thing on the inside of me that God wants me to chase. Yeah. Her, she was, we did know her as the girl that was going to marry an African and move to Africa. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, had everything in her room was African. Uh, and then somewhere along the line, I was at uh, C3 College in about 2008, and Pat Ancliffe, who oversees our C3 churches in Africa, was also the Bible college principal at that time and came back telling stories of a recent trip to Africa. And in that moment, I knew that I was called to full-time congregational ministry, but I didn't know what that looked like. In that moment, I felt God uh, put a passion on the inside of me for Africa. So I went with him on a small trip, uh, kept going back once a year, and then we got married in 2013, uh, coming up to six years, oh, it was six years ago. Uh, and so these two worlds collided. And although Jamie's dream had died a bit, I said, well, you've got this thing of Africa uh, so big in your upbringing and this thing is really alive for me. Why don't we go together and just see what God does? And within two days, we're sitting in a guest house in northern Uganda 
uh, where C3 started in Africa and there was a great civil war in the, uh, you know, over the past, not, so, not now, but 30, 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. Uh, and we just looked at each other and said, this feels like home. Wow. We need to move here. Wow. So we talked to our leaders, prayed about it, planned for two and a half years, and then left three and a half years ago in 2015 to start the church. It's beautiful. Wow. What would be one of the highlights, Jamie, for you of what God's doing right now in your church? Um, I do believe that we have a grace at the moment to, um, and I hope forever, to receive people who have been hurt and broken from church or family or um, backgrounds. So we're actually, we're almost like a hospital. (laughs) Every week we have visitors coming just weeping and saying, you know, I'm hurt from church and, you know, I haven't been in church in years or... Um, so just seeing people come in and being vulnerable is part of their culture. You don't be vulnerable. You, it's a big shame thing. So having this haven, this safe place where people come in and they just feel um, that love, that big hug, and they also just feel safe enough to be able to process through pain. And um, it's just been incredible to, you know, I could tell you thousands of stories of just um, of the people coming in and receiving transformation and yeah. on a journey together through connect groups and doing life together and um, coming into church when, even when they don't feel like it and because God just keeps touching on that small pain. Uh, but yeah, just one life at a time is our motto and <laughs> we just feel like that will keep us on the good race and it's, it's lasting us in ministry and so never lose hope in the one. It's all about the one. And yeah. to clarify that, in Australia, when people say I'd been hurt by church, they probably weren't. No. Yeah. It was just that they got offended at something small. <laughs> right. But what Jamie's talking about is really legitimate abuse, pain. Yeah. And, yeah. Deep, yeah. deep pain. Deep pain. Yeah. Wow, you're doing an amazing thing. It's such an honour to support you guys. Um, we resonate with what you're doing. Transformation is a buzzword for us. It's part of our purpose. Every person transformed in Christ and empowered for purpose. And it's the greatest thrill to see lives transformed, isn't it? Yeah. Totally. So could we give them a hand? Cool. Beautiful. Thanks, guys. And, of course, a huge thank you to all the C3 Amsterdam family for partnering with us, every vision builder. Uh, it can be an isolating, difficult thing moving from one country to another continent right. to start a church, but feeling the love from around the world and the sacrifice uh, of everyone here uh, means everything to us and our church. So thank you. Awesome. Honor and privilege. Beautiful. Fantastic, and uh, they, their current solution to their building challenge is they, uh, they have bought a tent uh, because they couldn't acquire a venue big enough for their current stage of church life. So they're currently doing church in a tent. How cool is that? So Christmas, their Christmas service was so big, they had, yeah, they had 300 people at their Christmas service. They've only been going three years, and, and they had to lift up the, the sides of the of their building to, um, to accommodate everyone. It's wonderful. Hey, turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 27. Ezekiel 27. And I'm th- preaching this morning on uh, something called There is a River. And while you do that, while you turn there, please also be aware of uh, your dream card in your seat. Now, let me explain. You have permission to fill this out while I am preaching. Uh, I, I know that may be hard to do two things at once. 
and I wouldn't recommend it on any other Sunday, but uh, uh, it will help you get prepared for a moment that we'll do in a little while where we're going to pray for your dreams for 2019. On there, write down what your desires are for this year. Uh, they can be small, they can be big. I am always amazed when I look back over what I wrote down at the beginning of last year, how much of it has come to pass, uh, simply by having committed it to God in a, in a service like this and letting him get on it and dedicating myself to the cause of Christ. So don't underestimate the power of it. It's in your seat. You can begin to write. But I want to set the context, not just for that, uh, because there'll be some things I say that would influence what you write down, but uh, set the context for where we're heading this year. So uh, just hold on to Ezekiel 47 while I share with you five things very quickly that we will be doing that are new this year. Uh, the first thing we're doing is we're changing the name of our connect groups to groups. <laughs> you know, when we change things, we go radical. Um, what it also means is we can put another word in front of it. So uh, we, a lot of our groups eat together or uh, something like that. So if you're having dinner together all the time, your group will become a dinner group or a tapas group or a coffee group. I know a group that's uh, starting soon that's a dance group, a group that's <laughs> so short's the first sign-up. Uh, the <clears throat> they, they gather around the common interest of dance and, uh, and then our specialist groups keep going. We've got a marriage enrichment group. We've got a, uh, a beautiful minds group. We've got a journey begins group for anybody who's just starting in their walk with Christ. So we are really pushing our groups forward this year. Second thing we're doing is we're starting in another location uh, through our C3 Cares outreach. Um, I, was, uh, uh, I was driving through New West the other day and praying and just this small thought came to mind. Now, don't underestimate the small thoughts you put on your card today. I've seen small thoughts turn into churches, turn into new ministries, uh, turn into other types of opportunities. Small thoughts can lead to big results. And I went, we should do a C3 Cares outreach here. So in April, uh, we will begin that process of finding out where specifically we can do that, what our approach will be. South Oast is going so well, it's so fruitful, we're going to venture into North, uh, newer West, which is real exciting. Uh, the third thing we're going to do is upgrade our live stream. We want to uh, uh, increase the quality of our live stream to Almira, set ourselves up for future locations. Live streaming really helps us speed up the process of starting a new location. Um, and not just within this area, but even potentially uh, elsewhere around the world. And we will also then be putting it online. So we'll have an online campus because we want to reach everyone we possibly can. And, uh, and, and that means uh, we can do that through that means. Of course, we continue to keep ourselves focused on our building development. Our goal is to be out of this place by the end of the year. Uh, we'll move into a building uh, on this business park, just the other side there, uh, that all being well, please pray, but that should happen uh, by the end of this year. Um, and uh, we're going to kick off to have two encounters weekends this year. Some of you remember uh, the days we had encounters conferences. 
the purpose of those was to give God space to do something to revive our hearts. So we're going to have two weekends. The first is at the beginning of February. I think you've just been handed a card with the details on. Pastor Thierry Moore from See Through Lausanne will be with us preaching in the morning. And then uh, a combined location, uh, night power service with him preaching in the evening. And then Monday night, a meeting as well. And then all afternoon on Sunday, we'll have a food festival. So it's just going to be like a, a winter God celebration time. So put that in your agendas. Ezekiel 47. Who's ready for this? There is a river. Who would give me five more minutes to preach? That's all I needed. One yes was enough. We're not negotiating. I've got five more minutes. All right. Thanks. Um, Ezekiel 47. We're going to read all 12 verses here. The context is Ezekiel is having a vision. And uh, there is, he sees in this vision a man who leads him through uh, some, some scenarios. He leads him through a description uh, of a, a new temple, for example, and how that temple works. And then he leads him into this scenario we're about to read that is connected to that temple that would be built in Jerusalem. And he says this, The man brought me back to the entrance to the temple. And I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east. And the water was trickling from the south side. I, I will explain some of the geography a bit later. There's a lot of easts and south and norths. Uh, uh, we'll go into that. As the man went eastward, with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits, that's about half a kilometer, and led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was too deep, uh, was deep enough to swim in. A river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of that river. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. Let's stop there just for a minute. Living creatures will live when the river he's talking about flows to them. Interesting thought. It suggests that living creatures can also not live. How can that be that something that's alive can also experience death? Now, I think we all know how that is because all of us have experienced that. Uh, death is before us, destruction's all around us, and some of us have helped that destruction by habits we've had that have been self-destructive. And so we bring elements of death to our soul or to our mind, and uh, pieces of darkness enter our thought life. For example, it's possible that a living thing is not fully alive, and yet he's offering hope. He says there is a river of life that causes even the living to be really alive. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. That's sort of our motto for the year. 
Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to Engelem. There will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food, and their leaves for healing. Everyone say, there is a river. Last summer, uh, we as a family went to Croatia, and uh, we, as part of what we did, we love to be active on holiday, we went to a canyon uh, to do a day of water activity. Uh, this river had carved out a canyon through the rocks, such as the power of a river. Interesting thought, park that power. A river has such a thing. Um, but the tourist industry had made a whole industry around this river, an adventure industry around this river. We climbed rocks, we jumped off rocks into the water, uh, and uh, we, um, we drifted down the river in and out of the white water. Uh, a whole industry. You will find activity happens where there is a river. I grew up living near a river that I'd hear as I would fall asleep. It was a small river trickling in the background. There was this slight water sound in the background, a beautiful thing to fall asleep to. But during the day, we as kids would go and play around that river. It was like one of the centerpieces of our activity. And uh, the river would disappear in a tunnel at one point and come out the other end. So we would grab sticks, quite a sophisticated game, uh, as you can tell, when we would drop sticks into the water in front of the tunnel and the winner would be the one whose stick came out of the tunnel first. Uh, this isn't virtual reality, guys. This is real life games. There's probably an app for it now, a video game. Race your sticks through the tunnel in the water. If there's not, I'm going to make it copyright. Uh, this was what we did for fun. That same river would disappear underground later on and, and, and travel under the village. And, and many winters we had the experience of the water reappearing where it shouldn't, and that's in the streets, and the streets would flood. And everyone would take out their sandbags and, and put it in front of the front door to try and stop the water, the river, getting into their homes. I, I'm trying to share with you the incredible life, vibrance, and power, and in a sense mystery, of what a river has in it. It gets into your home. <laughs> it gets into uh, areas you didn't think it could even reach. It has a force in it. It has life in it. it, it people just want to be around the activity of a river. Who doesn't like spending time around a river, especially one that has got a little white water in it? It's an exciting place to be. Such is the river of life. You know, we know what life is like don't we? It's not just an active river. It's a, it's a tree in the garden that is green, maybe bearing fruit. It's an apple tree. And you look at it and you go, that's alive. We, we, we know life when we're at a party and, and, and a certain person walks in and the party comes alive. We say they are the life and soul of the party. Some of you are like that. You're the life and soul of the party. Let me know who you are. You'll be invited to all of my parties from now on. Although my wife is like that. Uh, you're usually the loudest and you get things going. We know what life looks like when people come to church 
They talk about it using language like that. They say things like, it feels like home. Or, it's alive here. Uh, what are they describing? They're describing what they always wish life would be like or could be like or is like here at least. It feels like home. This is the real deal. This is something real is happening here. We know what life looks like and we love it. We also know what death looks like. Death is that tree in the garden that does not have the apples on it and there are no leaves and, uh, and you're going, it's dead. It looks dead. Uh, Death is is that scenario of maybe some religious practice that you've grown up with, a a, a sort of a traditional church experience or some other religious experience that you've been subject to or been part of, and and you go, it's just dead here. Uh, And unfortunately, many people around us have that image of church, generally. uh, And you try and invite them to hear, and they go, no, I don't want to go to church. Why? This is boring. Well, why don't you try our church and then make up your mind? Because they have seen certain expressions and gone, it's dead. We know what death looks like. We know what it can feel like. Brokenness in our own hearts can feel like a glimpse of death. Uh, Soul pain when someone's rejected us can feel like a a glimpse of of death. It's it's real. And as much as life is real, death is real. And here... We're being given hope. He's saying there is a river that has life in it and power in it that can get to parts that nothing else can reach. It will get into the cracks of your soul that no other thing can reach because that's the nature of water. It gets to places that nothing else can get to. Uh, It just finds its way there. Such is the river of life. Uh, And it will even turn salty Dead Sea. Like the Dead Sea is a place that nothing lives in. All you can do with the Dead Sea is float in the thing. There are no fish there. There's nothing living around the Dead Sea. It's death. Too much salt will kill something. Have you ever tried pouring salt on your meal and the top comes off and the whole pot of salt ends up on top of your potatoes? It kills the meal. You're not eating it after that's happened. Uh, Unless you're really desperate, then you try and scrape the salt off. But it kills the food. Salt can kill. Part of the reason we fast, part of the reason we're doing a fast at the beginning of this year is to ensure we start this year with our hearts dedicated to the one that really matters, to Jesus. That we start devoted because it's so easy for stuff to get in and affect our soul. For us to get gripped by the things that are so exciting or the things that are so full of pleasure and and food. For all of us, I reckon, is one of those things. Uh, And that's why we're doing a Daniel fast. What I love about what it says in Daniel is he says he gave up all pleasant food and wine. So he didn't give up all food. So we're promoting a Daniel fast because I feel like it's really accessible for anybody. If you've never fasted before, I think you'll be okay on this one. Uh, But also I love that description, giving up all that is unpleasant for a season. Because it's it's good to enjoy a good barbecue. That's okay. But we want to make sure that our hearts aren't dependent on the pleasures of life. But there is a purification that happens when we go into a season of fasting and prayer. We give ourselves devoted to Him. And I expect great things to come out of that season for that reason. So there is a river. Everyone say, there is a river. And that river has life. 
And the point is this, it turns salty things into fresh, dead things come alive. I'm telling you, dead things are coming alive in your world this year. We are bringing dead things alive in Amsterdam, South Oost, New West, Almira, in your workplace, amongst your colleagues, amongst your neighbors. You're going to be life to them. Jesus stands up in the temple one day and he goes, he goes, hey, is there anybody thirsty? Anybody, anybody here feel like your soul needs refreshing? Come to me and out of the innermost being of you will flow rivers of life. So where do rivers of life come from? They come from Jesus himself. When you devote yourself to him, you will find rivers of life flowing out of you and your river of life has been designed to meet the dead sea of, of the lost humanity around us. That's the purpose of you knowing Jesus. That something of his life would flow out of you and impact the nature of death that surrounds us all the time. And so the temple that was releasing the river was releasing the river toward the Dead Sea. Now the sea, whenever the sea is mentioned in the Bible, is a representation of lost humanity. And so there is a purpose to why you're here and why it is that you know Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, today I would love you to get to know him. But when you know him, you know there is a life inside of you that's not of you, but is supernatural. It's of another world. It's of heaven. It's him. And that life in you that has done so much for you is meant to flow out in somebody else's lostness. That is meant to flow into somebody else's sea of lost humanity to bring transformation and healing. And so the direction your life faces in is really important. This is where the geography comes in. Why did the temple face east? Why did the river go out of the east side? Because as it flowed out of the east side, just 20 kilometers away down the road, southeast of that wall was the Dead Sea. That river was meant to flow, the fresh water of life was meant to flow towards the place of death. The direction your life faces in is more important than you may realize. I painted a painting for, um, to hang over our bed in our bedroom. And it's, uh, it's just an incredible piece of art. I've got to say, I'm a humble Brit. <laughs> kind, at least, if not humble. And um, the, the only downside to the painting is it's, it's virtually all gold, gold and white. Um, but I hadn't realized when I was painting it that you will only be able to appreciate it from one angle. You have to stand, stand in a certain part of the bedroom and look at it facing east as it happens. Uh, and at that point, you, you happen to catch the reflection of sunlight coming in the bedroom window and it glimmers off the gold paint. It's the only position in the bedroom you appreciate it in. The direction you're facing in does count. The direction your life faces in will matter. What you're aiming at will determine the picture of your life. And so it was intentional that the, the temple was facing east. What we go after as a church is, an inc is incredibly important to the picture we paint of our future. If worship was our primary purpose, then the Ezekiel vision would have gone a bit like this. And so the man led me into the temple, and I saw him laying sandbags in front of the doors, so the river could not escape. And as the river flowed from the altar, 
It began to swirl around the temple courts. It began to move around the inner courts. It was wonderful. And as we began to worship, there was so much life in the worship. We enjoyed it day in and day out. That would be what he would have said. Block up the doors. This is not going anywhere else. Worship is our primary purpose. But he didn't say that. Maybe if community was our primary purpose, it would have gone like this. And a man led me to a plumber. And the plumber started fixing pipes in the temple. The pipes channeled the water and piped them into the homes of the temple goers. So that any moment they were running their group, they could turn on the tap of the river of life. And that party would begin to happen. Connections would be amazing. The food would be incredible. The fellowship would be out of this world. But it didn't say that. It said the river escaped from the temple and it began to flow eastward toward the Dead Sea, toward a lost humanity. Our purpose, our primary purpose, even though we love worship and it's important, is not worship. Our primary purpose, even though we love community and it's so fundamentally important to your discipleship and your growth, that's, that's not first place either. Our primary purpose purpose and reason for existence is to let the river of life flow toward a lost and broken community. It's to flow toward the Dead Sea. Your position matters. What your purpose is counts. So as you're writing things on the dream card, don't let it just be a, a, like a mirror to your personal needs. Like, oh, I'd love a salary of this level. Or, uh, Love uh, a new car, the upgraded version of, of the dream car. You know, that, that's all good, nothing wrong with that necessarily, but it, it, it's not got as much meaning as saying, well, what's, what's the purpose of my life? And, and, I, and I'm not here to tell you specifically, we'll explore that in a couple of Sundays' time, the concept of purpose. You've all got a unique purpose, but we've got a common purpose that needs somehow to be reflected in your dream card. And that common purpose is this. Your river of life is meant to flow into somebody else's sea that their death may turn into life. That's your purpose, to help people come alive. Think about what could go on your dream card that captures that. It might be that new neighbor I've got, I'm going to invite them around for dinner. Hey, well, what's that got to do with the river of life being released? You never know. You just never know where that may go. You just never know where that conversation may lead to. You, may, you just never know where that action might go, go to. You may never know what your smile may do to their soul at that moment. Put down some actions, not just outcomes, on your dream card today. Outcomes are awesome. Put some of those down. But put on there, I will do this. I will do that. And I'll tell you, God will do an amazing thing. I need to wrap this up because we need time to pray for you. But I'm going to share with you one final thought. The river flows from the altar. We need to prepare our hearts. This fasting season is going to do that. The river has a, a, a purpose in it. It's to bring alive dead things. The river is meant to face in a certain direction. It's, our lives are meant to have purpose in it, saving a lost humanity. And finally, it says, the river flowed out on the right side of the east gate. Get this, that river didn't leave by one of the major gates of the temple. There were at least four of them and it didn't flow out of any of those major gates.
And the very gate you would expect it to flow out of would have been the east gate because that gate was not allowed to be used by anyone. It was a representation of the gate that God himself would walk through. And so it was considered holy. It was considered too sanctified for any human being to walk through. Now, if there was any gate you would expect the river of life to flow through, it would be that gate. I'm going, God, you, you got this vision wrong. That river should have flown out of the east gate. Why did it not flow out of that, that, um, that amazing gate that's reserved for the entry of the King of Kings? Why out of the right side? What he's describing is a little, uh, a, a little walkthrough gate that people would, would go through instead of the, the big gate. And it's because of this. God, by his choice, has chosen to use you and I to reach this world. However, however small you may feel, however insignificant you may think you are, however broken you may feel you are, He has some reason chosen us. He chose Jerusalem, the only great city in all of the ancient world that was not built on a river. What city does He choose to talk about the river of life? Jerusalem. What is He saying? What you see as a disadvantage isn't how I see it. For some of you here today, what was a disadvantage to you in 2018 is going to be in the hand of God turn into your advantage in 2019. What you see as an element of brokenness in you in 2018, in the hand of His grace, is going to turn into a channel of the river of life to somebody this year. Nearly every strength that you have in your world has come out of the fact that God has done something in your weakness. Your life call, your, your greatest message and your greatest story to people is always in the story of your brokenness made whole. The greatest things of this year are going to come out of the things you didn't expect because God is taking disadvantage and He's turning it into His advantage. Some big doors, huge doors, Swing on small hinges. The other thing it's saying is this. Small ideas can lead to massive opportunities. Don't underestimate writing down just some small thoughts you've got. I'm going to do this this year. I'm going to stop doing this this year. It may be just a small idea that could unlock a huge, huge door in your life. Some of us are looking for greatness before we've even been good. God was good before he was ever great. Why do we say, God, you're great, you're amazing? Not because he's great, but because he's so good. You see his greatness because of his goodness. In today's world of social media, everyone's trying to be their hero, own hero. Oh, I'm so great. And in all your greatness, you're forgetting to do the simple things of life that make you a really good human being. When you write on your dream card, in just a moment, don't just write out the big, great things. Well, thank you for listening today. I want to take a few more moments of your time because it may be today you realize that you need to get your relationship right with Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never asked him into your life before. Or maybe for some reason you've been been moving away from him and today 
I want to invite you to come back to him. Or it may be that you're just not sure you're going to heaven. And so I want to lead you in a prayer right now. And I would really love for you to say this prayer with me. And then straight after this prayer, I would love you to do something for me. But hey, let's pray right now. Dear God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he died for me. I ask that you would forgive me. I turn away from my past and I give you my life. Come and live in me. I thank you that today I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you prayed that prayer, today the Holy Spirit has done something in your life. And so I want you to tell us about it. I want you to email info at c3amsterdam.nl and let us know you've made this decision and let us have your address because I'd love to send you a book that will help you make this decision really strong and become a follower of Jesus. And we'll also be able to help you get planted in a church near you. God bless you.